she was introduced to many of us on RuPaul's Drag Race Season 8. And then she ended up going missing. Where has Betty been? That's all I've been saying. Her name is Acid Betty, and she is about to be exposed. How are you doing, Acid? Exposed? I'm wearing my underwear then, gosh. I'm, gr I'm good, how are you? I'm great. You know, like, I, I literally, when I reached out to you, I was like, wait, I feel like Betty has been gone forever. Where have you been? Uh, well, I haven't been anywhere, but to not sound depressing or sad, uh, the COVID and the deaths, uh, to set it off Chi-Chi and a few other people kind of really put me into a downspin. I kind of got really internalized and, um, you know, just want, you know, I don't know. I just started thinking about my life and what am I doing? Um, and so I just need, I kind of, you know, as I was focused on myself, but I was like, I kind of was like focusing on myself and trying to figure out, you know, what did I really want to do? But I mean, honestly, on the back end, I still was working for Work the World and, boss events, so I was still in the drag world doing all that. I just wasn't really pushing like the ass and Betty stuff, you know what I mean? And I did kind of disappear from social media. I know I did. I was like, wait, wait, where'd she go? Where'd she go? No, but it makes total sense because that's kind of like the exact same thing that happened to me over COVID. It's just like, I got beyond depressed. I ended up like, it was food galore it was like uber eats let's go straight for that uber eats let's do whatever we need to do to not cook and to not take care of yourself because you're just in the moment but i can't imagine that too you know especially with like you said like the death of chi chi and everything i mean that could yeah that could only do so much so yeah and that was also at the time when we were all in lockdown so there was this whole you know what do you do during the funeral not to get into the details and all that so it's just it was so intense and lady red and there's a few others i can list and then if you just list the millions of people that died that year um it it just kind of took a toll <laughs> and i feel like uh you know um our job is to kind of create um a place to release and be happy and maybe some fantasy uh, and I just wasn't in the place to provide that, I don't think, for other people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, I mean, that, that makes sense. You have to, you know, like, like you just said, take care of yourself first before you do anything yeah. else. Um, you, you said fantasy. I would just like to tell you that when you dropped your fantasy song back after season eight, that was <laughs> my song on the plane to Cancun one summer. And oh, I was what? like, listening to it on repeat, I was like, uh, I want you to be... be my fantasy. I was like, yes. <laughs> I was just singing that today, actually. That is so funny. When I played that on tour, at first they were like, what is that? It's, I don't understand the song. I'm like, that's cool. And then after they heard it like three to four times, they were all singing it on the bus. They couldn't get out of their heads. And they were like, we get it now. We get it. We get the song. <laughs> Well, let's let's get into your life because with Exposed, I always like to give a full rounded um, biographical account of your life. Um, okay. And from what I was reading, you were were you born and raised in New York, or were you born and raised somewhere else? I was born and raised in California, in Ooh. Riverside, California, the Inland Empire. And how long were you there for? Uh, well, I was there until I went to college, um, and then I went to college in Orange County for a hot minute, and I realized that I hated it there, and I, um, 
Yeah, so then I went to London to Middlesex University, and that was where I kind of, kind of like the pop of myself came off, and that's where I really discovered myself. And then I came back to this country like with a big old gay rage. And no, you know, it was like a whole new me. It was like, yeah, ask anyone. It was like this poor little sad, quiet little like boy left and like this big old raging faggot came back. <laughs> were, were you out before you left or did you come out more when you were over there? Well, I had a boyfriend before I left. I, I mean, I think I was probably playing closet or quiet for my mom and family, but I did do drag. Um, my drag name at the time was Straight Kate. Um, but I, but I was like, I didn't realize that I was playing. I think I was trying to play with gender then, which as I still do now, um, back then, you know, it's not like that was that long ago, but we really weren't doing what we do now and talk about cisgender and all these things. So, um, I think that's what I was trying to do without knowing that's what I was doing. Cause I had different renditions of drag as straight Kate. And then I had a character called Jasmine Fantastique which again was like boy girl. And that was right That was right before I moved to New York and created Acid Betty. And Acid Betty is kind of like the shadow of Jasmine Fantastic. <laughs> so Straight Kate and uh, Jasmine Fantastic, let me ask you, were they in line with Acid Betty? Like, would you be able to like pick them out as like the same family or were you totally yes. different drag? Yeah? Oh, no, same. Oh, no, same. Yeah, yeah. Straight Kate would be more of my character Bitter Betty now um because she was like pierced lips and very extreme like like a bitter cupid like just a bitter lady um and jasmine fantastic it was a mohawk and his tagline was no war just fuck and that's very still um i actually repurchased that domain um and i might be doing some stuff with it <laughs> Because mind you, this is when the internet was invented. So I like a few like weeks ago, I went back in my history and I was like, I wonder what's going on with my domain because a porn site had purchased it after I let it go a few years ago. But <laughs> I got it. I own it back now. Justfuck.com. <laughs> so, so you end up in New York. And yeah. is this when technically the birth of Acid Betty happened? Was that in New York? Absolutely, yeah. You Did want me you... to elaborate on that? <laughs> no, no, no. I just want to know. I just want to know, like, what it was like New York nightlife wise. Like, what was the what was the years around there? Like, was that twenty what? So that was two thousand four. Okay. That was probably so. That's like ten years after the major rage of Monster and Michael Alec and all that stuff. Um, I would like, the way I felt when I arrived in New York was it was kind of like the shadow of all that stuff. Limelight had just closed. They were going to reopen it. They did reopen it. I ended up working the VIP door of the new, um, whatever, Limelight. Uh, but it was kind of like a sad moment in New York. And I kind of felt like it was my duty to kind of bring back this whole nightlife monster dress up rage. So that's what I started doing and more people um, ended up doing it. And then a few years later enter in RuPaul's Drag Race. So apparently it was a thing. Yeah, apparently it was a thing you, you did. You ended up on RuPaul's Drag Race season eight. And I will tell you that you were my favorite on season eight. And that is not me lying or me just trying to like get brownie points. You actually were. And I was texting, my, my straight brother is five years younger than me, and he just got into Drag Race within the past year, and he was like, what are you doing tonight? And I was like, oh, I'm interviewing Acid Betty, and he was like, 
man, I really wish she would have stayed on longer. I really liked her. So, yeah. so you that that's how I felt too. I feel like you your drag aesthetic was something that we had not seen on Drag Race yet. You were more in the like the club kid type area. You were very good at airbrushing your face and making like different monster and different types. And the drag was so, I will say it was ahead of its time for Drag Race. Yeah. It was something that was just so cool to look at and do. And on Drag Race, I know that you had said, or there was like a storyline that you were not getting booked in New York. Was that true? No, that's Dorji's storyline. <laughs> I mean, that was her storyline for me. Yes. Oh, no, no, no. Um, actually, um, at the time, I was the bitch. I was getting paid the most. I chose where I wanted to work, who I wanted to work with, and where I was working. Mm. And Thorgy wanted to be that girl. Uh, Thorgy was making nothing. I could tell you exactly where she was working and who she was complaining about. Um, yeah. No, not the case. <laughs> yeah, I was the top girl. I mean, I was on the cover of HX, Next Magazine. I was top 100. Um, I was above Amanda Lepore. I was like the girl. Because also, mind you, this was after Project Runway. So Project Runway had hit, and that was the first time that America in a long time had seen drag on TV. And then add with what you said, there was a character like Acid Betty, which not only was a drag, but there was something that some people who'd seen drag had never seen this yeah. before. So I had that going for me. Um, yeah, I was already working with um, Voss Events at the time. Um, and so, you know, drag queens get a little jealous and try to create storylines. <laughs> yeah, not true. <laughs> well, well, well I'm, I'll come in and come back to Drag Race. But you said Project Runway. And you yeah. were in Project Runway for the most infamous episode, I will say, because of RuPaul's look. RuPaul was on the episode that you were on, right? The the you were a model, <laughs> yes. and uh -huh. RuPaul in the the big blonde, sandy blonde, dark big wig, with the white button down ass shirt. I yeah, everything was like down. Everything was down. Mm. And the overhead lighting, yeah. What did what did you think when you were there? Did you think like, oh, it's RuPaul, or did you think, what is this? Well, I mean, if you watch this episode, because I just posted it, so I watched it. Um, it's funny, you can see RuPaul's doing what entertainers do. So she's like kissing up to everybody at that time. So she's like saying how wonderful I look, trying to sell everyone's look. Yeah. And that's how everyone was. So everyone was happy to see each other. Hey girl, how are you? In between breaks, we would, you know, we would, she would get up and we would talk. Um, but a few queens did say something about her makeup. And the story was, that they wouldn't pay for Matthew and Zaldi, like her hair and makeup. So she just said, cool, I will let your guys, you know, your people do me. You know what's good for TV. So she had their team doing the thing, but it wasn't the thing, you know. It wasn't the thing. Also, this is before Drag Race. So she was trying to be fashion. So she had just a fashionable button shirt, probably Carl Lagerfeld. <laughs> you know, she had a human hair wig, which she doesn't even do now. Do you know what I mean? She's yeah. trying to be very like, hey, middle America, I'm a woman, you know, because this is before Drag Race. <laughs> so she's trying to like, you know, consume me. I'm a real woman. Hello, human hair. Yeah, but the lighting and makeup did not do her justice. Oh, poor baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <no. laughs> did, did she remember you at all from when you were on? Uh, what do you mean? Did she 
reference it when I saw her in RuPaul's Drag Race. Yes. Did she know at all? Did she like reference it or like know that you were on Project Runway? Um, I can't be the first girl that you've interviewed from the TV show that's heard that she doesn't really talk to the girls. No, no, <laughs> not at all. Wait, what are you talking so, about? <laughs> I mean, she asked me about some of the things I was wearing. We talked about some about some history things and like where I've seen her in some of the clubs, like duvet and stuff, but she never mentioned, mm -hmm. yeah, Project Runway. <laughs> I heard, but I heard, you know, and it don't matter anyway. I heard online that um, if you, you know, the fans told me that if you post that photo of her, she'll block you. Or like she'll do this whole thing, and so I've always been scared. And I posted again. And I think she, like she still follows me or something. But I've always had like this like lingering thought that you know I'm gonna have find a laser on my head or something if I post you know that photo of her. <laughs> so good, so good. Um, back back to Drag Race. I would like to read to you. So there's this website, and it's called Fandom, which you probably know. I've and heard of it. Yeah, and so they do full biographical things on you queens. Like, for any interview that ever comes out, they'll put all of the notes in here. But I would like to read you what they put about your time on the show. Oh, God. I love people's ideas. Let's go. <laughs> Acid Betty is often involved in many conflicts and arguments, as shown in the episode Bitch Perfect, where she continuously argues with... Chi-Chi Devane, which Thorgy Thor frequently points out. Betty is often seen stirring drama throughout her run on the show. For example, in the episode New Wave Queens, when team Dragometry are conflicted in their decisions for the group, Acid suggests ideas which are a clear attempt to put them in the bottom. She came high in the first three challenges of the season and safe in the fourth episode. However, during Snatch Game, her impersonation of Nancy Grace fell flat and she had to lip sync for her life. She lost out to Naomi Smalls and was therefore eliminated in eighth place. By the way, I was never safe. I was always on the top, never safe. So that's a fat, incorrect thing, incorrect fact. Um, that's fun. I mean, yeah, that's how you, that's how the TV show read. <laughs> I don't know though about ideas for the new age thing. I don't even recall what ideas I made or if they were bad or, I mean, all the things that were good, like the things like um, big fat beans and all those funny, those were my jokes. I yeah. thought of them. So girl, but they didn't show that on TV because that, would be, that wouldn't be good. You know what? Probably RuPaul wrote this after you posted that video of her <laughs> on your Instagram. For real. Well, no way because back in the gay when it was being aired, the major rumor was that um, I was mud wrestling or something, no joke with Michelle Visage. Yes, yes! I'm not joking, right? That yes. was like a rumor. Or there was something about the color green and like got, and the thing was I got in a fight with Michelle, with Michelle and it was yes. physical. And just you tune in and find out when you see, when Acid Betty and Michelle Visage fight. <laughs> it's still, I remember that. It was like a Reddit theory that this oh is God. what happened. And still to this day, people will always put that in like random comments. It'll be like, yeah. oh my gosh, what's coming up on season 15 of Drag Race? And they're like, Acid Betty comes back and she gets into a mud fight with what? Michelle Visage. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> 
because she likes green. And Michelle was like, no, green. It literally is about green. I remember it like has to do with the color green too. It's like, so me and Michelle actually have an inside thing about that. And there was even a moment where like she had some weird lipstick on like whatever. And I texted her and I was like, green? Is that green lipstick? <laughs> Oh my gosh. Oh, it's it's so good. The fan theories, the fan everything. And speaking of the fans, they did have questions for you. And the most oh. common two were, as you probably know, uh-huh. have you ever been asked for an All-Stars? And would you ever do an All-Stars? I have been asked for All-Stars, but not if I would be on it. Um, I was asked if I was interested. And I said, sure. Well, I was asked if I was interested in all of them and everything. They were just kind of like, hey, girl, can we keep you open? But I like, I don't know. I mean, I work on their Vegas live show. I do their visuals for that show. And I do the Work the World, which is uh, officially a RuPaul tour. Um, so I don't know. It's like, I feel like I'm in the family, even though the people don't see me on the front end. You know, I'm there. <laughs> when, well, when you say visuals, what like what are you fully doing for both the work, the world, and for Drag Race Live? Okay, so um, like in Vegas, you know, the entire stage is an LED screen. Mm -hmm. So anything on the LED screen is my work. That's so cool. Right. So if you take the LED screen, you kind of have a boring show. Mm -hmm. And what makes it exciting is my work. Um, and that's the same for Work the World. If you notice Work the World, their LED screen in the back gets bigger and bigger and fiercer and fiercer, and that's my work. Yeah, so I do all the visuals. Basically, I do like the, you know, like lighting, I would say like lighting cues and set design, you know, because that's in the in the TV. They do have a set and lights, but you know what I mean? But yeah, and then I do like the, uh, all the, the commercials and the teasers that you see on social media, mm -hmm. so logo design, all that stuff. All those things are me. How did you get it? Like, how did you get that part? Like, did you have to submit an application or were you just like one day, hey, what's up? No, I mean, that's what's funny is like I was saying, um, back when I was doing Asabetti in New York City, uh, Voss events was doing parties. Mm -hmm. And every once in a while they would hire drag queens. And even though I wasn't working, I was working for Brandon Voss and some of the top promoters in New York. Um, and so I was doing that. And then one of my Queens friends was like, Brandon, uh, Betty knows how to do graphic design and she could help you do flyers. So I started doing his flyers. And then when they got, cause you know, this back in the day, then they were like, Ooh, there's TVs. Maybe we could put things on the TV. So I started doing the TV stuff and I started doing their commercials and there was like club XL, XL nightclub. I, you know, did that. I did, I designed that logo. Um, and then we just kind of progressed into the video video into the performances. And now I do all the performance videos, teasers, commercials. Is there, is there a preference? Do you prefer doing the drag aesthetic or do you prefer doing the behind the scenes? I love doing behind the scenes. I love it. Um, I love, like for my drag, I love do, like changing it up and trying to make my look different and whatever. It's so much easier to do that for another girl. So it's so much fun to kind of take on, you know, like Plastique is so different than Evie. And, you know, there's like the, you know, there's so many different girls that I do and their aesthetics, their color, their style, everything is completely different. I just love being able to do that, you know, 
and no one knows that it's me. I just love that. <laughs> that's that's yeah. I would have never have guessed. That is so freaking cool. And it's cool that you have both the in front of the camera, as you would say, and then the behind the camera. You kind of like get to dibble and dabble yeah. in both. Hey everyone, I just need to tell you about how I changed my cooking game. Now. I absolutely hated cooking. The only things that I would ever cook would be scrambled eggs in the morning, um, but that's all that I would cook. But about two months ago, Dinnerly hit me up and we're like, you know what? You should try cooking on our level. And that's exactly what I did because cooking has been easy and fun with Dinnerly. All I have to do is select my weekly meals from a wide variety of different dishes. A box is delivered to my door with those ingredients. You just open the Dinnerly app, click the dish which shows you the recipe, and you just follow that recipe step by step. It's so easy, it's so simple. I cannot tell you enough how quick these meals are to do, and it's only $1.29 per portion. Plus, there's only six ingredients per dish, so you are not like cooking away in the kitchen for hours and hours on end. But even though there are only six ingredients, the dishes are so delicious, they're so fresh, they're so healthy and yummy, and the recipes, like I said, are super fast to make. Now, you can save up to $142 on your first four boxes. All you gotta do is just go to dinnerly.com and use my code, Joseph A. Shepherd when shopping. Try Dinnerly today. So you were talking about, before we started this interview, that you are no longer in New York, and you are you moved away into the mountains? I did. I moved to the Poconos. Oh, what what has that experience been like? Because if you were in California and then you were yes. overseas in the UK and then you're in New York, those are pretty big cities and pretty big, you know, types of environment. Yeah. Is the Poconos <laughs> completely different? Yes, I've never been. Uh, I never really knew what small town drama and uh, the feeling of neighbors. Mind you, the neighbors are really far away and they're still up in my business. And I never knew what that was like until I moved to the mountains um, with mountain people. But it's been so fantastic because I love the nature and I get so much inspiration from the animals and the flowers and it's it's just so incredible. I bought a dog. I have a little husky. Her name is Lilith. Is, Her birthday is, is today. How old is she? She's one. <laughs> is she? Is she yeah. still like a little smally? Like is she still small? Yeah, she's like this big. She's upstairs. Oh. I would bring you. Yeah. She's, she's like a big thirty pounds. Oh. So she's so adorable. Big blue eyes, black and white. Does she shed a lot? Oh, uh, yes, and I hate it. I had no idea. I literally just kind of like was just jumping and I was like, originally I was thinking I, want, I don't want a dog that sheds and I had certain ideas. And then once I decided on getting a dog, I forgot about all of it and just like, just went with her. I got, she was screaming. You know, I got the dog that had the worst behavior. I got a dog that sheds. Has she, has she come to be like your best friend? Uh, she, we're working on it. I call her my love bug. <laughs> you you have your days. Well, we're working on it because, you know, she digs and she does things that I don't like. But no, she's fantastic. I love her. She's fabulous. I mean, I, I, yeah, I've never had a dog of my own. So it's a fabulous experience. 
Well, you you have a companion there. Are you dating in the Poconos? Is that a is that a thing that you do? No, there's um, a few actual gay camps just a few miles from here, um, but no, I haven't, and I don't. I mean, you know, dating is kind of strange when you're um, a drag queen, and then it's strange when you're like a drag queen from TV. <laughs> I feel like that would be very difficult to navigate because I feel like it would either be people trying to use you or people just wanting to be able to say that. Like, you can't really trust. Do you do you find that? Um, well, there's that kind of aspect because that's a good base way of thinking about it. But I think when you're inside the machine, I think for me, when they say you can't trust somebody, the way I uh, define it is when you are in a room and you all of a sudden have someone looking at you and they're giving you this energy of, they're attracted to you because that's how you're reading it. They're like, oh, and, and that's how you receive it. And so you're like, oh, these, they're attracted to me, they like me, and then when you say hello and you interact with them, you only discover that they're actually only interested in the art, the, you know, the TV show, the whatever, and that's fine. But it's hard from being on the inside from this side you know, to interact with people and to think, oh, maybe they're interested in me as a person. And in reality, they're kind of more interested in, you know, where I've been, who I've, who I've done, where I'm going. <laughs> Ooh, I, I, I couldn't imagine. I, could, I couldn't imagine. That would just be a very difficult thing. But um, I mean, to be honest, it was a lot easier, especially Project Runway, because uh, Acid Betty looked one way and no one really knew what I looked like you know, outside of drag. And then RuPaul's Drag Race happened and their thing, you know, is you are Acid Betty as a boy, you know, as however you look, as a boy, as a girl, in every form, you're Acid Betty. And so that, after that TV show, it's kind of like, you know, it's mushed up the whole dating thing and everything, but it is what it is. So, so, so you're basically saying no foreseeable um, significant other in the future until the dog ends up getting trained properly. Oh no, the dog is trained. I actually was going to call the dog boyfriend so I can tell everyone I was going home to boyfriend. Yes. I got to go feed my boyfriend or, you know, my boyfriend's waiting. I haven't seen him all day, you know, but I, I decide not to do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm hoping with the dog and maybe I'll go camping and maybe, oh, yes. you know, with this whole new everything, I'll get like, you know, a man that likes the nature and, you know, I've got so much to offer now. Do you like the nature? <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Are you are I, you a camper? I I've never really camped before. Hmm. Me. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, I, the only kind of camping I did was our dad would set up a tent out in front of the house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we would I don't even know if we'd sleep in it. You know what I mean? I think we slept in the tent once. Yeah. Oh my god, I went camping with my rabbi. That's probably why I don't why I hate it. You went camping oh with your rabbi? Oh, I just remembered. Part, yes, in order for me to be confirmed as a Jew, one of our trips was to go camping. And we were and we went camping with the freaking rabbi. Rabbi Posner. Ugh. Mind you, he was uh it's so horrible when you have like leaders and they're like they're very stringent on what you need to follow. You know, follow this, do that, you can't do this, you can't do that. And then like you discover a few years later, or whatever, that they were cheating on their wives and all these things. That happened to him. And it was just like, what? 
life lessons, you know? <laughs> oh, life lessons. I, I had the same thing when I was in, I think it was like middle school. Or I went to a private school and the pastor was like, oh, he was so involved in everything and telling you what to do. And then he ended up having an affair with somebody on the choir and it just became this big thing. But it was like in those moments, you're like, oh, you can't even handle yourself. So what are you, right. you trying to tell other people? Right. You're completely out of control too. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. yeah so that's probably why I haven't gone camping is because it was with the rabbi last time. Now that you, thanks for reminding me. <laughs> any, any time, <laughs> any time. And you, you said out of control. So I do got to ask you about one little last moment from drag race that was out of control is when, um, there was the whole lovely Trixie Mattel controversy from the, from her calling you out about you calling her out and how her makeup looked and I'm <laughs> Do you still get people talking about this to you? Do yes. you do you feel it was warranted? Were you just making joke in the situation? What was the tea behind it? Oh yeah, no, I was totally making a joke. Um I mean, even if you look at the editing, it literally is edited like Kimchi and Trixie are lovers. Yes. Like the music is like and and kimchi's like like it was so dramatic the way that was edited and it was like oh my god like they're hardly even friends like come on get with it um no it was totally honestly it was just me cracking jokes um and you know everyone just wanted you know it was set off the way it was um but it was actually a great experience because you know i was on tour in a bus with trixie when all that was going down. <laughs> so it wasn't like, you know, it, I mean, it was, the whole experience was so dramatic because how the fans and everybody interacted with it and even today, how people perceive what happened is so interesting and bizarro land compared to reality. Yes. <laughs> how ironic for it to be reality TV, yeah. But yeah, people still talk about it. Um, and quite honestly, Trixie and probably myself, because I don't want to share information, probably made a lot of money off of that moment. <laughs> I mean, I would hope so. And I, okay. I, I do like that you said that, you know, people kind of get one perception of, you know, seeing something on TV and then for years on, they're still going to think the same thing when they rewatch or they redo. And how have fans been, especially to your edit on the show, and then who you are as your drag persona, have you seen, has it been more negative, more positive? Have the years gone by and it's been on the up? Or like, how how does your edit influence your drag career? Uh, I'm not really totally sure because... You know, there's such a large audience that watch the show, so you get lots of point of views, okay? There's the people who absolutely believe the story, you know? They'll believe Thorgy, you know, whatever Thorgy says, work it out. Um, and then there are people who can watch TV or anything and kind of sniff out what's happening or something's missing. Um, and so I got a lot of that. So I got a lot of... Uh, smart fans who maybe play dumb, but they're not as dumb as they actually are because they all are kind of like, something's not right. Even just recently I read what like 
um, why did they push uh, Betty's edit like something horrible was going to happen and then they never showed it? Nothing ever happened and all these things. And I was like, right. It was, it's just a push drama. Um, how did it affect my drag career? I don't like, it's so weird because it's just part of the story. Yeah. I don't know how to describe it. You know, like I've been doing drag for 20 years. So my whole life is not this TV show. You know, so I'm different than some of these queens. So this is just a part of the story. So I had a life, I have a career, had a career. Um, and so when this hit and then I got, I, it was the first time that I got to experience again, like let's say I say going to summer camp and everyone else being told a total different story. And me being like, okay, well my experience was this, this was the fun and I loved it and what I did. And the whole world can see this weird, like, version, like, of me and Chi-Chi fighting and all this craziness, you know, and let them be. I mean, when we were fighting, literally the first thing she called me was like, girl, we're fighting? Question mark on TV? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. That, that was literally the week we became best friends. So it was kind of a weird, it's such a, TV is so weird. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's beyond weird. I want to talk to you about your aesthetic, your makeup. What drives you? I was looking, which we were about to talk about, your bio shimmers and everything, but I was watching the video of you doing your makeup for the bio shimmers. And when you were doing your, your airbrushing and everything, I was so, I was actually like very, very impressed because I've never seen somebody like actually take the airbrusher like to their, to their, their head. Face. Yeah. <laughs> I've always like seen it like, you know, on TV shows where somebody else is doing it to somebody else, never like an own individual person doing it to themselves. Um, where does your inspiration come from? Because your looks and your makeup and everything is always so out of this world. Do you have like sketches and plans or are you just kind of play and dibble and dabble? Yes, both. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I find if I plan it out, it is more extreme. My more extreme looks are usually planned out. Um, like this was just dibbling and dabbling when I'm on my face. Um, but I try to, you know, like with any artist, you kind of have to just trust yourself and maybe go with an idea and let the hand and the materials call to you because mistakes happen and or lovely mistakes happen and you just go with them. Um, but really, um, I guess where my inspiration comes from is everywhere, obviously sci-fi movies. Um, and I watch, you know, a few makeup people. Um, and as we talked earlier, I'm a graphic designer. So I find that the electric plugins and filters <laughs> that I use in my daily use of making visuals for a show, for like these, uh, for the live tours, I feel like I try to do in my makeup. Um, I often even times will make a mistake and in my head will be like, control Z, control Z, like undo, undo, and I can't undo it. Like literally there'll be a point of like copy paste. No, wait, wait, I can't copy paste in this world. I have to physically do it. Um, but yeah, I try, you know, I get my, I, a lot of inspiration, I think from technology. I hope to incorporate um, more technology and nature. I try to do both. It's this weird love hate thing, yeah. Well, now you have the inspiration of the mountains and, you know, your your previous rabbi and everybody coming through <laughs> through you now. <laughs> oh. 
So let's talk about this new venture that you okay. just got into. You deleted your whole social media and you restarted your whole social media, basically. But your bio shimmers. So let's yeah. let's open this up. How did this even come to be? Well, I have uh, my cosmetic company, which is called Unicorn Skin Cosmetics. This is my fifth year, um, fifth year anniversary. Um, and we basically focus on some, you know, things that are good for the environment and not necessarily, you know, just, Ooh, makeup here, buy it. So right now we have a whole line of biodegradable glitters and biodegradable, uh, glitter paste and gels. Um, and we just recently released bio shimmers, which is, uh, currently 18 colors, different colors, shades and sizes of biodegradable glitter and like color shade shifting colors and iridescent colors and and I have more coming already so yeah that's that's so awesome I think that like I am addicted to glitters like if I go out um any type of like random party or anything I'm always like doing glitters on the eyes because that's the only thing I can do when it comes down to makeup no you just put something <laughs> pretty around your eyes and I'm good and set to go oh no it it really, like what people don't realize, it really will make everything look better. Even if your makeup is messy, if you just throw glitter on it, people will be like, that is, that's what, girl, that is what I do. That is like an old trick. Make a mistake, throw like glitter over it, and people will think it's just this like magical thing. Yeah. And what's great about this though, is that um, it's also like 40 to 100% softer. So it doesn't actually scratch your skin and it won't scratch your cornea, you know, if it gets in your eyes. But, okay, so when it comes down to colors and comes down to shimmers and it comes down to all of this, how are you picking and doing? Like, how is a lab or how does this even work out? Well, in regard to the biodegradable shimmers and colors, technology, we are not totally there yet. So I couldn't choose every color that I wanted. I mean, I love color. So if I could have done UV, like, you know, like black light reactive, yeah. and there are things that I really want to dive and jump into, but they're not environmentally friendly. And they're also just not, we're not there yet. So basically um, I found there's um, two companies that make certified biodegradable um, glitter. And I basically extorted every color <laughs> that they make. Um, and iridescence and holographic biodegradable glitter is actually now it's current, it's new, it never existed before. Um, so, and I was one of the first companies that was doing biodegradable iridescent glitter. And now it's like, they're pushing it. And I'm like, girl, this is my fifth year I've been doing this. Um, but it's new. It's a whole new technology. Um, the iridescent and holographic biodegradable glitter. It, it just looks so cool. And also like your box that you had like did you come up with the design oh, yeah. for the box i did i have it here you know what? i have it let me go yes yeah oh my god it just so happened it just so happens because i'm in the studio <laughs> wow okay okay like i should be wearing my nail gloves how embarrassing my man hands <laughs> let me show you my good <laughs> oh look she is ready it's almost oh, life-size. Your face. Wow. It is almost life-size. <laughs> um, but yeah, see? So dope. Yeah, so I designed everything. The box. I mean, I also take the photos and Photoshop the photos. I designed 
the layout. I talked to the person to make the box. I talked to people to make the jars. I'm very involved, if not completely involved. <laughs> and look at the little nature. Do you see, like, I have, like, a little, little butterfly. Oh, yeah. So there's, like, little nuances of my love for nature in everything I do. And what's the, the O, the bio? Like, what's the O? Oh, yeah, a little flower. Yeah. That's so cute. I should when you when you're crafting all of this and you're coming up with the full concept, what is your personality like if somebody doesn't receive it well? Do you take do you take your art as something like are you very very um, protective of your art or do you find like if somebody's negative um, that you kind of accept the criticism? Oh, I listen to everything. Yeah, yeah, um, and I definitely have an opinion about things. Um, and it depends on what, what the art is, you know what I mean? Like if the art is completely for me, made by me and I did it, you know, totally for my soul, then maybe I would get offended by it. But at that point, I don't fucking care. Yeah. You know what I mean? Cause it's totally for me and I really don't care. Cause I am like that secure in my art. Like this is me, whatever it's me. Um, and, but when I do art for like, I have found, and they have told me when I did stuff for like, when I do stuff for RuPaul's Drag Race and all that, um, then I'm pretty good. I'll take the critique and just, okay. Cause it's not me. It's not, you know, I'm not on stage. I mean, honestly, that's why I always tell them it's not me on stage. It's you, you know, it's another queen. If that, if that's what you want, you get it. Like none of my business. Like I still get paid when I get paid. <laughs> so I don't take it very personally. I love that. I love that you said if it's for you, it's for you. That's, yeah. That resonates and that rings a bell with me. I, I love Do you that. know how many people think I'm ugly and crazy and strange and I would completely agree with them? But I don't <laughs> fucking care, dude. Like, I really don't care. Do you know? Because it has nothing to do with that. Like, I didn't do this for this person that I, that I don't know about. Do you know yeah. what I mean? But now they're coming at me because they don't like me. I don't care. So, so where can everybody purchase and buy these? Oh, yeah. So bioshimmers.com or unicornskincosmetics.com or my website, acidbetty.com. I think that's it. <laughs> Houseofacid.com. Well, wait, what was the other one that became a porn site? Oh, JustFuck. J-U-Z-F-U-K.com. JustFuck. No war, JustFuck. <laughs> So Acid, as we're wrapping this out, I do have like my compulsory type questions that I ask every queen that I okay. have on. I would love to know from you, what is the biggest misconception of Acid Betty? I don't know because I was, I don't know. Cause I love it if people don't like me and they think I'm a bitch or all that, like I'm cool with that. Do you think oh you're a God. bitch? The character is. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. If you're real smart, then you would know that there is the little softy mofty up in here who loves everybody and gives and gives and gives and all these things. But if you're not, then just take me as the rancid, hateful cunt bitch that you think I am, you know, and work, go with that. <laughs> love it. Love it. If you, so Barbara Walters during interviews would sometimes ask people, 
Um, if they were a tree, what tree would there be? Would they be? However, I like to word this question as: If you were a sandwich, what sandwich would you be? What sandwich would I be? I would be. I don't even know if it exists. An impossible meatball sandwich. You know what? That actually sounds pretty good. Mm-hmm. I'm not really like a meatball fan, but I was just thinking, you know, it's not real meat. Yes. But impossible meat is real good. Mm-hmm. So it gives you that feeling of like, oh, yeah, I just ate a dead animal, but you didn't. You know what I mean? And with the sauce, bread. I think that's what I would be. I would be an impossible meatball sandwich. An impossible meatball sandwich. Love it. I Love can't it. believe this isn't me. <laughs> <laughs> um, since this show is called Exposed, I always ask the queens to expose something that happened during your time on Drag Race that didn't make it to camera that you wish would have. Something? Uh, okay. <laughs> I don't know. Oh my gosh, I should have watched your show so I knew some of your crazy questions. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, they're good. Oh, I should have think think this through because you know I could give a good one if I really think it through. Something that was as you knew him was some hmm. When Deborah Harry came back and asked me what I was doing on the show and why I was there. Because I know them. And that was fun because they were also mean to me and they were like, shh, quiet, Betty. And they came back and they were like, what are you doing here? And I'm like, hi, what are you doing here? Am I allowed to speak? Such a gag. (laughs) My last question for you, Acid, is what's coming down the pipeline for you this year? Is there anything else people can be on the lookout for? Uh, well, I'm, uh, well, more Unicorn Skin Cosmetics. I am, am expanding. I am celebrating my five-year celebration with more. Um, and you might see me in stores. That's why I've been busy. Ooh. I know I'm doing it this year. Um, and that's it. I don't know. I've been threatening to go on tour myself and putting something together. Um, I'm helping Latrice Royale right now with her tour. Oh, awesome. So- I'm busy, you know, helping other girls with their shows. I was just thinking, you know, maybe I should get mine going. There's a few projects I'm working on. It's so much. Just go to my website and find out. That's me. I could, like, rant on all these things that I'm working on this year. But, yeah, there is things coming. <laughs> just just go to one of Acid Betty's 972 websites. Yes. They all go to the same place. Hell. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Acid Betty, for being here and chatting with me. Where can everybody find you on the social media? <laughs> Why are you doing it like that? Because I was thinking and I was like, I mean, we literally have plugged every website in the world. Oh, no, and now it's... Saying, Why do we need to? The minute you said that, I was thinking that too. I'm like, oh, is this another joke? <laughs> like, hey, one more time. <laughs> Go through your list of 12 websites. Well, I only have four social media accounts. I'm just kidding. (laughs) It's just Acid Betty. Acid Betty. Or as Cynthia Lee Fontaine says, Acid Betty. (laughs) Which is actually a bio shimmer. It's actually a bio shimmer in here. You made one Acid Berry? Yeah, let me see. Where is it? Can you see? Can you wait? Oh, wait. Here, you can read this better. Well, guys, 
I'm Joseph Shepard. That's Acid Berry, Betty. And we will see you next time. Bye, guys. Bye. Ha, ha, ha.